0: Hello, welcome to North Coast Calvary Chapel's audio podcast. There's many reasons why I love the Christmas story, but there's one reason I want to bring out today that comes right out of the scriptures because it's contrary to our expectations. It's contrary to our culture. It's contrary to the way we think. Uh, We have an expression in our culture that goes like this so heavenly minded no earthly good. This story is so earthly-minded, it's filled with heavenly good. So let's look together at this amazing earthly story. The details, first of all, of the travel of Joseph and Mary to Bethlehem is unique in the fact that Dr. Luke, who has appointed himself not only Was he an M.D.? But he appointed himself to be the historian that would go back and find out all the details of the earthly birth of Jesus. It tells us here that it was in the days of Caesar Augustus. Now, we can actually go back in time to find out what those years were. It was 31 B.C. to 14 A.D. Then it tells us that it was during a census that Joseph and Mary had to travel down from Nazareth to Bethlehem. It tells us that the census was during the time of Quirinius. So we know the period of time that he was reigning. And then it tells us the actual town that Jesus was born in. And we all know that to be Bethlehem. So they traveled by foot 90 miles from Galilee all the way down to Bethlehem of Judea. One other interesting bit of information here in the text is this word, the Greek is actually spargana, which is what we know to be uh, swaddling clothes or literally strips of cloth, which were like bandages. Let me describe what the swaddling clothes were. If you could picture a diaper and then off of that diaper On each corner, a cloth diaper, is a long strip of cloth. And that's what they would wrap a baby in. So they would put the large piece of cloth onto the trunk of the baby, and then they would use these corners to wrap around all of the limbs of the baby. Pretty cool idea. So the baby had free movement of his or her limbs. But the detail is right here. And then finally, he's placed in a manger, a feeding trough. So collect all of those details together and you realize this is a very earthy story. It's not the kind of story that you and I would think would be the story of a king or particularly the son of God who comes from heaven. Why all the earthliness of the details? It's important. Follow along. Then we come to the shepherd's story. And the shepherd's story breaks rank a little bit because we now have angels, and that's what we expect. This is the Son of God, let's bring some angels from heaven uh, to make this great announcement. But the rest of the details are equally earthly. These shepherds, which, by the way, we were on the lowest rung of the socioeconomic strata of the community because they handle animals, they handle hide, and they stink. And so they were the lowest run. The lowest of the shepherds had to keep watch at night. And so the angels, you see the contrast, God's highest for our lowest, and God chooses. Earthly shepherds to make this great announcement. And finally, they make their way to the manger scene where they find Joseph and Mary. And it's just like the angels said the baby is in a feeding trough, wrapped in swaddling clothes, and there he is. Wow! The coming of the King of Heaven in a very earthly manner. C.S. Lewis says this in his last work of the Chronicles of Narnia, The Last Battle. Once in our world, a stable had something in it that was bigger than our whole world. Think about that. Once a stable in Bethlehem had someone in it who was bigger than our whole world. Such an incredible, mind-boggling story where heaven comes and becomes a part of our lives. Now, think of the next stage of Jesus' life, his ministry. It all begins to play out in this same earthly rhythm. He travels, makes several trips, this 90-mile trip down to Judea and back to Galilee, once goes up to what is now modern Lebanon, once goes up to Mount Hermon. But most of the time, in and around Galilee, he sleeps, he eats, he drinks, he even turns water into wine. He doesn't turn it into atmosphere. He doesn't turn it into vapor. He turns it into a substance that was a part of their culture, wine. Then think about his teachings. His teachings are all uh, tangible. He even uses parables from everyday life to make spiritual truths. And then think of his miracles. A woman hemorrhaging, Jesus touches and heals her. A man with leprosy, Jesus heals him. Even Lazarus being raised from the dead a physical healing. And then the end of his life is equally earthly and graphic. It's a gruesome death on a cross. And then it's not a spiritual resurrection. It's a physical resurrection. So what's the point of all of this that Jesus coming to our world was an earthly phenomenon? Here's the point. C.S. Lewis makes this point, emphasizing that what we follow is not a fairy tale. Listen to this. I am in my private life, a literary critic, a historian, and that's my job. I am prepared to say that on the basis of this, if anyone thinks the gospels are either legend or novels then that person is simply showing his incompetence as a literary critic. The gospels are not that kind of stuff. The gospels, and particularly the birth of Jesus and the ministry of Jesus, is not fanciful. So we can't say that we've somehow abandoned all of the things that Jesus taught or did because we don't like this or we don't like that. The whole package of Jesus' life and ministry is earthly. And there's a point to it. Because as I'll point out in a moment, he's coming for you. And he's coming for you as an earthling with your body, with your soul, with your mind, with your heart, your spirit, your marriage. He's coming for the earthly part of us. So hold on. So the gospel, this narrative about Christmas is not a fairy tale. We celebrate fairy tales. We celebrate all kinds of fairy tales about the North Pole, about fairies, about sleighs flying through the air. Uh, We celebrate all of those. And I think they're quaint, they're wonderful, but that's not this. So what I've noticed is our struggle as a culture is with a God who would come into the stuff of our lives. We struggle with that. Let me point out, as the gospel, this earthly gospel went west into the Greco-Roman world, it gradually became otherworldly. You have... False writings, false Christian writings now being written in the third century about Jesus when he walked, he didn't leave footprints. When he was a baby, he played in the mud and he made a sparrow out of the mud and then he blew on it and it flew away. These are fanciful stories that later Christians began to write about Jesus. Why? Because Rome was full of mythical gods and goddesses. Um, and, and, and we began to impose our culture, our Western Greek culture on to the gospel. Plato is another example. Plato's writings, and a lot of us actually love his philosophy, but his writings made a difference between the earth and heaven. And he talked about the heaven being the real, the ultimate and earth not being as significant and not as good. Earth bad, heaven good. You see, some of us think that way, don't you? Caught you, caught me. We think that way in our culture. It's platonic, but it's not gospel. Then fast forward into the age of reason and beyond that into the age of enlightenment. Our Western thinkers began to tell us that the gospel the miracles, God becoming a man, Jesus resurrecting literally from the dead, they began to tell us that that wasn't reasonable. And they began to strip the gospel down until finally you have thinkers in the enlightenment essentially saying to the church, you know what, you guys, you guys just think about heaven You guys just think about people's souls, but you leave the rest of the real world to us. We're dealing with the real world and you guys just go deal with heaven and souls. And that's where we find ourselves today. That's largely how the outside world thinks of us as irrelevant and largely because we've created a gospel that isn't earthly, it's only heavenly. N.T. Wright is one of the great scholars of our time to emphasize the very thing that I'm emphasizing here in a scholarly way. So that world is saying to us, you will deal with the real world and you just pray and talk about heaven. So here's what I want to do at the close of our message here it's Christmas. And so how should it impact you and me? Let's take this arrow that's almost made of steel now that has people coming into the church and up into heaven. And let's just bend that arrow. So it's heaven coming down to earth into the church and the church going out into the real world. Again, C.S. Lewis from his book, Miracles. In the Christian story, God descends. He comes down, down from the heights of absolute being into time and space, down into our humanity. So listen, my friends, it may sound strange to you, but what I want to say is we need an earthly savior. Yes, he's fully God. Yes, he came from heaven. But he came to save you as an earthling and me as an earthling. Not to make you an angel or me an angel. I think that would be pretty hard for me. But to make us redeemed earthlings. Listen to John 3:16 For God so loved you parentheses on earth that he gave his only begotten son He came Listen to the Lord's prayer Our Father who art in heaven holy and honored are you Thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And today give us our daily bread. That means heal us from disease. That means provide for us. That means fix my marriage. That means uh, help me get a job. Then he says, and forgive us right here on earth and then protect us from evil. So this arrow is coming down, not just going up. So Christmas is God being driven by his own love to move in and breathe our air, to eat our food, to learn our language. Yes, Jesus, to actually take on a human body. And in that context, he comes to redeem, here it is, all of you and all of me. What do you mean? He doesn't just want your soul in heaven. He wants your body redeemed. That's why Paul says in Romans to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. It's what we do with our mind. It's what we do with our hands, where we go with our feet, what we say with our mouth. He wants that. He redeems our bodies. He redeems our marriages. He redeems our business. He comes to be into the stuff of us. You can see why this is so important. His resurrection is physical. And so is your transformation. One day you and I will have actually redeemed bodies. Aren't you glad? As I've told you many times, I'm going to be six foot seven and sing like Aretha Franklin. But for now, here I am, five seven and singing not so good. We're going to have new bodies, but we're not going to be spirits floating around in the clouds. We'll be real people, real, tangible people. And just like Jesus in his redeemed body, uh, resurrected body, he ate fish And so you and I will be real because it's a real gospel and a real Christmas message. So what's the take home? The take home is now we need a real surrender to a real savior. A real giving all of me for all of him. I want you to listen to a quote by someone you may know or heard of, Bono from the band U2. He says this The idea that there's a force of love and logic behind the universe is overwhelming to start with, if you believe it. Actually, maybe even far fetched to start with. But the idea that that same love and logic would choose to describe itself as a baby born in straw and poverty is genius. And it brings me to my knees, literally. To me as a poet, I am just in awe of that. It makes some sort of poetic sense. It's the thing that makes me a believer, though it didn't dawn on me For many years. It's the thing that makes me a believer. This real savior. For the real stuff of you. So Merry Christmas. Tag. You're it. What do you do now? Give him your whole life. All of you. It's time. Surrender. Christmas. Why not? Surrender all of the parts of you the big rooms and the closets, the pantries, all of the the parts of you. And then go be an earthly Christian, not a pie in the sky Christian, but an earthly Christian. Like Jesus says in Matthew 25, feed the hungry, give water to those that are thirsty, clothe the poor, Visit those in prison. Listen to people who want to talk. Spend time with real people so that they can know that your love is tangible and real. So we want to be so earthly minded that we bring heaven to earth. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful that the the Christmas story is in fact absolutely true that you weren't just a ghost, a spirit that came down amongst us, but that you literally became the missionary from heaven that came and ate our food, learned our language, lived in a Jewish culture, died on a real cross and rose again physically from the dead. And so God, today, we give you all of us for all of you. Not just our soul, but our entire being. And then God, we pray that this Christmas might be a jumpstart as to how we live our life going into 2021. That we might be so earthly minded that we begin to love Others, the way you have loved us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening this week. If you're looking for ways to serve, give, or get connected, please visit our website, northcoastcalvary.org.